Manna or Meatloaf, episode 24, The Truth. Hello, hello, it's me again. All right, well, this week feels really important to me. And I want you to know I have spent a lot of time in prayer on this very topic. So um, I hope you receive the truth in it about the truth. <laughs> Is it just me or do you guys feel like now more than ever, the simple truth about anything is being disguised. It's camouflaged and confused at every single turn. Now, I know that opposition in all things is part of our eternal course. It's an integral part of the plan of salvation and happiness. But I just feel like our poor little discernment muscles are becoming so strained and stretched in every way, just trying to hear, recognize, and discern the truth. I fear that with November looming and another election year around the corner, not to mention the nationwide pandemic, all the natural disasters, the human rights movements that are continuing to escalate, it just seems to have us all just in a state of super hypersensitivity, don't you think? In this technology age, with Google and Siri and Alexa waiting to give us the answer to every one of our questions, you would think that truth would be a lot easier to find. But have you tried, for example, just tried to research your local state and government officials to make an educated decision on how to vote? Oh my gosh, don't even get me started. It's so confusing because for every splinter of truth that rises to the surface, an equal amount of controversy seems to come at you from every angle. Who do you believe? What about the coronavirus? Conspiracy theory? Natural man-made? Masks or no masks? Back to school? Should we? Shouldn't we? Vaccines? We're not even going there. There are just such strong opinions on every turn. How on earth do we find and discern the truth? In January of 2013, then-President Dieter F. Uchtdorf gave a speech at BYU that is a very powerful reminder. It's called, What is Truth? I invite every single one of you to read and ponder it. Its truth can literally set you free, especially now. In it, we read, quote, well over 100 years ago, an American poet put to rhyme an ancient parable. The first verse of the poem speaks about six men of Indostan, to learning much inclined, who went to see the elephant, though all of them were blind, that each by observation might satisfy his mind. In the poem, each of the six travelers takes hold of a different part of the elephant and then describes to the others what he's discovered. One of the men finds the elephant's leg and describes it as being rough and tough like a tree. Another feels the tusk and describes the elephant as a spear. A third grabs the tail and insists that an elephant is like a rope. A fourth discovers the trunk and insists that the elephant is like a large snake. Each is describing truth. And because his truth comes from personal experience, each insists that he knows what he knows. The poem concludes, And so these men of Indostan disputed loud and long, each in his own opinion exceeding stiff and strong, though each was partly in the right and all were in the wrong. End quote. I love that story's ability to paint this picture of how when we only see part of the truth, those ideas can be horribly distorted. 
that someone could try to explain something based on only one aspect of the truth and consider it the only truth, especially in this scenario, seems silly, doesn't it? But how many of us can actually see ourselves falling prey to that notion? I know I can. We simply don't know everything, even for those who feel absolutely certain that their beliefs are truths, those opinions and theories could change as more information becomes available. The way I see it is that we have a choice. We can turn to the Lord who can see everything with absolute clarity, the beginning from the end, and give ear to His voice as we search for truth. Or we can listen to the philosophies of man. Now, don't get me wrong, I believe we all have a moral obligation to weigh out and research, gather information, and to do our own learning. Just because we're told to trust the Lord doesn't take away our own personal responsibility to know for ourselves. After all, isn't that one of the main reasons we're here, sent to earth to have agency and to learn? Elder Joseph B. Worthlin confirms how important all those voices are in the Great Plan, and I loved the imagery that his talk painted. In his conference address titled, Concern for the One, he talks about the erroneous misconception, quote, that all members of the church should look, talk, and be alike. The Lord did not people the earth with a vibrant orchestra of personalities only to value the piccolos of the world. Every instrument is precious and adds to the complex beauty of the symphony. All of Heavenly Father's children are so different in some degree, yet each has his own beautiful sound that adds depth and richness to the whole. This variety of creation itself is a testament of how the Lord values all his children, end quote. As much as God loves and values each of his children, I believe he wants, even expects us to each individually expand our knowledge, which means learning, growing, and increasing our own understandings, right? If this wasn't the case, we wouldn't have Alma's discourse on the importance of experimenting on the seed of faith in Alma 32, or Moroni's invitation, the promise in the Book of Mormon as we know it, Found in Moroni 10.4, we weren't supposed to have all the answers. We're supposed to find them for ourselves. And I'm not just talking here about the truthfulness of the gospel or gospel doctrine. I'm talking about any decision we're struggling to make or try to find our way through the countless options to making choices that we can stand behind as what our hearts feel is truthful. Now, the hard part about gathering information in and about this world is that it comes from the world. Satan is the great deceiver, the father of all lies, who continually seeks to deceive us. Again, I want to quote from Elder Uchtdorf's address. Quote, The adversary has many cunning strategies for keeping mortals from the truth. He offers the belief that truth is relative. Some he entices to believe that there is an absolute truth out there somewhere, but that it is impossible for anyone to know it. End quote. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? So how do we find our way? The Doctrine and Covenants, section 9, verses 8 and 9, gives us the perfect pattern of how to make decisions in our search for truth. We know this. We're familiar with it, but I want to read it anyway. Quote, But behold, I say unto you that you must study it out in your mind. Then you must ask me if it be right. And if it is right, I will cause that your bosom shall burn within you. Therefore, you shall feel that it is right. But if it be not right, you shall have no such feelings. But you shall have a stupor of thought that will cause you to forget the thing which is wrong. End quote. 
my experience has sometimes felt like that stupor of thought was just sheer confusion. And that's how I'm feeling about a lot of world issues right now. Don't you also love the lesson that we learn in DNC 10, 20 through 21, which says, quote, Verily, verily, I say unto you that Satan has great hold upon their hearts. He stirreth them up to iniquity against that which is good, and they love darkness rather than light. Therefore, they will not ask of me, end quote. When we approach our Father in prayer, He can and will help us make the decisions that are important to us. We need to ask of Him. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, as we're told in John 14, 6. And as one of my favorite titles of Christ illuminates, He is the Prince of Peace, perfectly able to grant clarity and peace through the Holy Ghost when we turn to our Father in Heaven in prayer and supplication. Okay, I want to quote one more time from this amazing talk. You guys are all going to want to read and study What is Truth by Elder Uchtdorf. He says, Just think about it. You actually have a powerful companion and trustworthy guide in this ongoing search for truth. Who is it? It's the Holy Ghost. Our Heavenly Father knew how difficult it would be for us to sift through all the competing noise and discover truth during our mortality. He knew we would only see a portion of the truth, and He knew that Satan would try to deceive us. So He gave us the heavenly gift of the Holy Ghost to illuminate our minds, teach us, and testify to us of the truth. The Holy Ghost is a revelator. He is the comforter who teaches us the truth of all things, who knoweth all things and hath all power according to wisdom, mercy, truth, justice, and judgment. The Holy Ghost is a certain and safe guide to assist all mortals who seek God as they navigate the often troubling waters of confusion and contradiction, end quote. A few years ago, I was trying desperately to know and understand the heart of a loved one so that I'd know how to best help them. Their actions painted a very different picture from what their hearts really wanted, and I had an opportunity to make a difference, so I was prayerful, very, very prayerful, and I turned to my Father in Heaven with a prayer that I could see the truth in this situation and base my approach on that truth, even though the truth at that time was a mystery to me. Moroni 7.15 sums up that experience perfectly. Quote, For behold, my brethren, it is given unto you to judge, that ye may know good from evil. And the way to judge is as plain, that ye may know with the perfect knowledge, as the daylight is from the dark night. End quote. Needless to say, in that specific circumstance, I knew exactly how to proceed with light and love, regardless of what my limited vision of the truth was. And guess what? It was the perfect choice. Now, the reason I chose to talk about truth in this episode is because of what I'm seeing as a result of differing versions of truth held by so many. While I know there's beauty in our differences and that those differences in opinion are necessary, I see a lot of contention as a result of how we react to and respond to the different opinions of others. Can we recognize that a person's perceptions are many times their own realities? Remember the story we started with about the blind men and the elephant? While God relishes and values our differences, I know as well as you do that he does not condone contention. And that's what I feel in the middle of a crossfire of debate on any number of issues. Is there any possibility of finding peace in the middle? 
or recognizing truth where it is found and letting the rest go? Can we agree to disagree and even love those we don't agree with or those whose truths don't look at all like ours? Third Nephi eleven twenty nine and 30 teaches us that, quote, For verily, verily, I say unto you, he that hath the spirit of contention is not of me, but is of the devil, who is the father of contention. And he stirreth up the hearts of men to contend with anger one with another. Behold, this is not my doctrine to stir up the hearts of men with anger one against another, but this is my doctrine that such things should be done away, end quote powerful. Okay, so this is going to come as no surprise. I love podcasts. <laughs> and one of my favorites, like many of you, is Don't Miss This, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. They taught me such a valuable lesson that I just absolutely loved this week. Emily shared the story of her friend, who as they were discussing this whole concept of sides and feeling like you had to choose a side, decided that her platform and what she would keep herself centered on was the fact that she had covenanted to mourn with those that mourn, and she's just going to choose Jesus. <laughs> I love that. Emily went on to say, quote, if it's contention or division, if it's divisive at all, that is not Jesus. If it's somewhere that you can add words to bear up, comfort and heal and bless and bring peace, that's Jesus. And maybe that's what we need more of right now. End quote. I'll say here what she always says. Don't you just love that? <laughs> because I really, really do. My son-in-law, Kyle, reminded me as we were discussing this topic that it's sometimes easy to disregard other people's truth and be disrespectful. His comment made me recall a picture that I'd seen of Ellen DeGeneres, and she was sitting next to former President George W. Bush at a basketball game. She got a lot of flack from her fans and followers because of the stark opposition of platforms that they both stand on. Ellen's defense of a picture capturing them while they were laughing, they looked like the best of friends, was an urging for everyone to just be kind to everyone. And she went on to say, quote, Here's the thing. I'm friends with George Bush. In fact, I'm friends with a lot of people who don't share the same beliefs that I have. We're all different, and I think we've forgotten that that's okay that we're all different, end quote. There is so much truth to that. Didn't you love that? And we could all stand to learn that lesson when it comes to respecting other people's opinions and still maintaining our own truths. Another one of my favorite podcasts, and again, another one centered on our Come Follow Me studies, is Meridian Magazine's Come Follow Me, hosted by Scott and Maureen Proctor. I've learned so much from them. It's another really good one. They recently discussed the introduction of Korahor in Alma chapter 30, and we all know that he was an antichrist who said of prophecies, quote, How do ye know of their surety? Behold, ye cannot know of things which ye do not see, end quote. Isn't that just the thing we sometimes find ourselves asking? How do we know anything for sure if we don't know for sure, if we can't see the truth? Scott then said, and I quote, Honestly, I would feel extremely insecure if the supreme source of knowledge in my life was my own ideas. 
I've seen too often how limited they are. We're not even sure of how to best help someone we love who is floundering or read their thoughts. We don't know how to negotiate the landmines inherent in every day and every project we undertake. That I have God's wisdom and strength to rely on is what gives me confidence in this life. How naked and fragile we are if left to our own. We must be grateful for the gift of the Holy Ghost, which teaches us to discern between truth and error. We do not need to be taken in by beguiling people or ideas. The Holy Ghost is light and truth and helps us pick our way through the many voices that shout at us. We read and study the scriptures so that truth resides in our minds and gives us a benchmark by which to weigh all else. When we feel far from the Spirit, we can pick up the scriptures and begin to find the light renewed in us. We never seek to offend the Holy Ghost so we can have this constant companion. We must have it. End quote. Paul said in confirmation to this in 1 Corinthians 14.10, quote, There are so many kinds of voices in the world that compete with the voices of the Spirit. End quote. As I searched long and hard for the message that I wanted to relay in the more eloquent words of some of our prophets, I came across the word tolerance, which I had to chew on for a little bit because you know what? That is a two-edged sword, that word tolerance. But I loved how President Dallin H. Oaks said in his BYU address, it was called Truth and Tolerance. He said, quote, Tolerance is defined as a friendly and fair attitude toward unfamiliar opinions and practices or toward the persons who hold or practice them as modern transportation and communication have brought all of us into closer proximity to different peoples and different ideas. We have greater need for tolerance, end quote. That summed up what I was trying to say. And let's turn to our Savior as always to be the perfect example of this. When he knelt to meet the woman taken in adultery where she was, he faced her squarely with compassion, even though she had broken his law. His words are found in John chapter 8, verses 8 through 11. Quote, and again he stooped down and wrote on the ground, and they which heard it, being convinced by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. It is my sincere prayer as we wrap up this week's episode that we can all seek to hear the voice of the Spirit which testifies of truth in all of its forms as we strive to find truth in our own lives. And remember that as we seek to find this truth, that we can also show respect, kindness, and love to others as they seek to find similar truth based on their own life experiences. I certainly hope we can all remember to keep that truth important in our everyday lives. Have a wonderful week. See you next time. Mm-hmm.